You mean we're set for liftoff? We're engaging. We're blasting off. My name is Dane Miller, and I am your space GM. With me, I am joined with uh, probably the best, the boys, the best boys that I could ever want to be joined by. Uh, please introduce yourself in the order that is on the screen, if if it's the same order, hopefully. <laughs> I don't even know if we have oh God. orders. I'm at the top on mine. I'm at the, no, top, at the top of mine. Of mine. <laughs> we have to fly now, boys. Well, right, all at the same time, boys. Space We're flight like... number one already going. Yeah, this is initiative order right off the bat. <laughs> already breaking all the rules to podcast, uh, should, I guess, yeah, we'll go off your order, Dane, I guess. Oh, okay, so first off, it will be Niall. Uh, my name is Niall. I hail from Ireland. I'm currently living in Canada. I write stuff when I'm not working in a bar. Fantastic. Uh, Terry? Uh, hey, I'm Terry. I've been playing uh, tabletops and GMing for most of my life, probably over half my life. Um, beyond that, I don't know. I guess I write stuff too and work on video and make video games in my free time. That's about it. Perfect. And last but not least, Ryan, you sweet boy, tell us about yourself. Uh, yeah, I hail from the East Coast of Canada. Um, hang out in bars as well, just like Nile, and uh, I'm just a big old nerd. So that's me. Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. mean, that's, that's a nice thing. I think we're all, I think we're a very widespread net of nerddom. Yeah, you know I, I mean? think so. Like, I think we all occupy very different spaces in the nerd kingdom. Yeah. With the one common thread of, of tabletop RPGs. Um, mm-hmm. So that with that being said, we are a Starfinder tabletop RPG podcast. We are an actual play podcast. And this, welcome to our Session Zero. If you're unfamiliar with what a Session Zero is, it is sort of the pre-production, uh, before we get going, the GM kind of reveals what the, the campaign is going to be about. Uh, we ask each other some questions, we talk about it, we figure out what we're cool with, if there's anything uh, one of us doesn't want to participate in. Um, I know some people, like, one of the common things is romance. A lot of people don't want to be involved in a romance subplot. Um, So that's what Session Zero is about. It is us laying down what we're going to be doing, uh, figuring out what our characters are, uh, what roles they want to be playing, and uh, that will be kind of what we're doing today. I want to only be involved in romance. Um, and, and if no- that's <laughs> like nothing, nothing else, not a single goddamn thing that isn't romantic. But if that's like, I'm fine with like, I know you're <laughs> joking, but like if, if that's what someone like, if someone really does want like a romantic arc, this is the time to tell me so I can, I can start writing it. I don't, I'm not going to say I want a romantic arc, but if you bring it in, I'm going to RP it hard and I expect you to RP hard right back. Oh, hundred percent. Absolutely. 100%. I'm loving it already. Now, at what point do we like leave a blank space so we can put the name we're going to decide in? <laughs> yes, uh, so we have as of as of right now, our podcast is unnamed, and we're hoping that at some point in time, inspiration will strike us. <laughs> Absolute crit show. Is critical role taken? Is that? Can we do that? Um, it's probably yeah. fine. I we can just change yeah. role to R O L L or R O L E. Yeah, I crit myself. Stop this. Um, so <laughs> left Terry, a giant crit in the toilet. Terry briefly talked about his experience with tabletop RPGs. Um, I have a little bit of experience uh, GMing. I took over our home campaign very briefly when our original GM kind of ducked out. Um, Niall and I have been playing together the longest. Shortly after that, we uh, we met Terry online through Reddit. And brought him in as our replacement GM because I wanted to continue playing my character. So uh, wonderful. 
And then we we brought in Ryan uh, for like guest spots and stuff because our group was already pretty full of six <laughs> players or six people. Um, and with the the lockdown, we were able to bring him back in as a as a new player in our online campaign. Um, but I've been I've been GMing for a while. I I love tabletop RPGs. Um, they they were something I've always wanted to do and never was able to find a group. And then once we got this group, uh, we've been together for over five years now. I think. Mm-hmm. A long time. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, so now I know you and I pretty much have the same sort of RPG story, but if you have anything to add about your experience with, with RPGs, let me know. Uh, no, pretty much the same thing. You know, we all started together um, and it was like a really good way to just, you know, get everyone together because we all had very conflicting schedules uh, between a bunch of us being in bars and other people, you know, being in the film industry and like advertising and a whole bunch of shit. It was like, a really good way for us all to get together and on top of that it's just the highlight of my week usually you know so uh it's incredible that we managed to find terry uh online and he just instantly became one of our best friends and now it's impossible to imagine a world where he doesn't or didn't exist and ryan of course showed up for one or two like guest things and just became indispensable so he's now part of our pirate campaign we're doing at the moment and it's great it's a good group of guys Oh, thank you for the kind words. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, I mean, I'm we all, Terry. I'm blushing. How how we met Terry is one of the the most suspicious things. Like, I would Niall and I were in Europe. I believe we were in Berlin at the time, and I was like, I don't want to go home and continue jamming. And it wasn't because I. It wasn't because. <laughs> <laughs> Why? It's not. It's not that I wasn't enjoying GMing, and it's not that I I was having a bad time GMing. I this actually is all do. really reassuring because Dave is going to be GMing this game. Give it like five episodes, and we'll be back yeah. on Reddit in Berlin. Um, <laughs> but when when we started the campaign, I was I was so into the character that I was playing, and I really missed playing the character, and it felt kind of like I was missing out on the fun with everyone else. So I was like, if we could find a GM, so I, we went on Reddit. Uh, in the looking for group subreddit and we were just like here's our group we're like halfway through our current campaign and we were playing rise of the rune lords which is a, a pathfinder adventure path um and i was like if anyone's interested and uh and i see i thought terry messaged us but we recently discovered that i messaged terry <laughs> sure did he shamed you hard with the truth yeah and and we met up in a bar and like it, the rest is history we just for some godforsaken reason, Terry decided to join a group of strangers midway through a campaign and fucking killed it. Yeah, I yeah. don't know why I decided to suddenly just start going over to some stranger's house every Monday, but it worked out. I mean, we haven't yeah. killed you yet. No, you guys are playing a long con if you are. <laughs> um, and and Brian, tell us about your RPG experience. Yeah, uh, firstly, I actually had never heard that story before about how you guys met Terry, and that's really? incredible. I had no idea. I've just been like going with the flow since day one, guys. I don't like to ask questions when I don't have to, so <laughs> it's really good to hear. Uh, yeah, so I was the newest to the group, um, worked with Niall, uh, and sort of just brought me in. I've been a long-time um, role player. I started off as a theater kid, uh, like I think a lot of role players have, like tabletop <laughs> uh, role-playing game guys. Um, I just had a, a group who was like, hey, let's do this. That sounds really fun. And I was forced to be the GM for the first year uh, year or two. Uh, we started with Pathfinder. We also went through this period of time where we did a lot of one-shots of a lot of really strange games. Mutants and Masterminds was something we did. I remember playing a game where we all shared the same 
the same character body. Anyway, we did a bunch of really cool, funky things. And then I moved away from home, had to stop it for a while until I ran into Niall, who brought me in with you guys. And I've been having a blast doing it ever since. Um, so we've mentioned a couple times uh, Pathfinder, which is sort of our preferred uh, system of, of play, which is kind of like a, a fantasy. It's based on D&D 3.5, um, which was then created by Paizo. Uh, they created Pathfinder, which used the same rule set, and but kind of like made their own world. Uh, Paizo then released Starfinder, which is the space companion where Pathfinder is sort of high fantasy and magic. Uh, Starfinder is more technology and space and future cyberpunky kind of stuff. Uh, and that's what we're going to be playing uh, this time around. I was going to say it's the first time for all of us, but I don't think it's the first time for Terry. No, Terry Terry <laughs> yeah. apparently has played. <laughs> yes, I have played. Uh, I've played Starfinder before. And it was a miserable experience. <laughs> I love um, how we're starting off very positively so far. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who to blame for why it was bad. I, I think it's my fault, mostly. Probably the GM's a bit. Uh, I went with a mystic because I thought, oh, cool. It'd be fun to do some mind stuff, some cleric -y things, good in combat, that type, or loosely good in combat. And literally... It's almost as if the adventure path or whatever the hell we were playing was like rigged against me because <laughs> every single thing was immune to everything I did. Yeah, I was uh, literally doing nothing in the combats except just being like, all right, mind break. And then, oh, it doesn't work. All right. I'll just I'll just sit here then. <laughs> There's <laughs> nothing worse. It was it was two books of that. And it was just Ooh. like, all right, I think I'm done with Starfinder for a while. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Too I can bit. assure you that once we build your characters, I will be building the campaign around them. There will be times where challenges appear for your character, but I will make sure that regardless of your party composition, no one will really feel like they're sitting on the sidelines. That is going to be one of my main concerns. That's awesome. I'm um, going to be playing a mystic again, that's for damn sure. <laughs> I don't think either of us will be playing a mystic after that story. <laughs> so if you're brand new, if you don't really know what... Uh, you have a, I have an idea how tabletop RPGs work. Uh, Starfinder is a D20 system, which means that anything that the guys do or anything that I try to do to them, uh, we roll a 20-sided dice or a die, and depending on the outcome of that, we find out whether I succeed or fail or whether they succeed or fail. And then we, uh, as the name suggests, role play how it all plays out. So whether someone is trying to seduce a bartender or something if they roll poorly and fail then that bartender could it could go any number of ways they could be offended they could kick you out of the bar and all of a sudden your tactics have to change with the dice roll so you can build a character uh that is is inherently good at certain things but there's always the the risk of chance the stakes uh of of things going so sideways so fast i guess also with like dice rolls it's not necessarily that you just succeed or don't there's like Varied levels of successes, right? Yeah. To give an idea of sort of the, the vibe of this campaign and, and of the show, it's going to be, while, while this is a space opera, it is 100% like Starfinder is meant to facilitate space opera stories. Um, think things like Babylon 5, Star Wars, uh, Firefly, uh, for the anime nerds, uh, Gundam, uh, things like that are are very much ingrained in, in what Starfinder is meant to do. Uh, so for us, the vibe I'm going for is going to be sort of a Firefly, Guardians oh, yeah. of the Galaxy style, uh, serious but still lighthearted kind of deal. 
uh, where the threats are real, but there is still uh, a little bit of goofiness, a little bit of silliness uh, that can take place. Sounds great to me. So if you guys have any questions about the system, let me know. I will do my best. I, I'm as my first time doing it. I still am learning. So I will try to answer as best I can. Otherwise, I will find the answer for you. I got, um, one. I got one right now. Yeah, let's go. What the fuck are stamina points? <laughs> okay. So that's that's a great question. Uh, so the way that uh, damage works is a little different in this. Stamina points are essentially temporary HP. Mm-hmm. in terms in in like other systems um so you have a, a certain amount of stamina points and that's kind of like your your inherent toughness so in a fist fight you could take a couple of blows before really you know really starting to feel the the damage mm-hmm. um and that is sort of like your buffer so stronger more frontline classes will have more stamina points which means they can take a little bit more damage before wounds actually start heal- hitting or like adding up Um, Once your stamina points are depleted, then your hit points start being depleted. Hmm. Um, And you can use a, there's a system called resolve, which is sort of like your gumption and, and your like morale. And Hmm. you can do what is similar to D and D short rest. You can take five or 10 minutes of uninterrupted rest and use a resolve point to uh, restore your stamina points. Cool. Um, But the, the twist on that and the danger of that is your resolve points are, directly tied to how easy it is to kill you Hmm. so when you hit zero hp you begin dying and every round that you don't stabilize you lose a resolve point if Hmm. you do not have any resolve points you die that's cool that's really cool. so you have to choose whether or not you want to maybe survive a little longer by restoring your stamina points Mm -hmm. or if you're really worried, you know, keep them in your back pocket for certain things require result points to use at, like ability wise. Okay. Um, or if you want to keep them in your back pocket to prolong your survivability. <laughs> to you prolong your death. Yeah, prolong <laughs> your dying. So that's the way that resolve and stamina works. Cool. And I believe like as you level up, you your health pool is always going to be kind of sm- relatively small compared to other systems. Uh, mainly because like you really want to make sure that your buffer, that stamina is, is is like, that's usually what increases as you level up rather than your HP. If I recall hmm. correctly, not a hundred percent sure if that's, if I'm remembering, I right think you're right. I think the stamina increases at an exponentially faster rate than your HP. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it's, a, it's a very interesting way to manage resources. And I think it's a very smart way to manage resources. I don't know. Fun. Yeah. I don't know how I'll feel about it once we put it into action, but I like the idea of the constant, like, yeah, you can heal yourself, but if things go sideways, you might be in like it, it might be far more dangerous to constantly be resting. Mm-hmm. The trade-off's fun. Ryan, do you have any questions? Are you? Oh my god, uh, it's it's so interesting coming to this like the game that I've like I've done some reading. Uh, it, it's so close to Pathfinder, but so very different. Yeah, that's uh, the nice thing is uh, I think we'll transition fairly easy. There's there's small things like they've gotten rid of uh, immediate actions and uh, have replaced them with reactions similar to D and D. Yeah, you can't pair. Yeah, if you if you want to uh, full attack, you can't do a swift action as well. Full attack is like all of your actions mm-hmm. in one go. Um, so there's small changes in, uh, from Pathfinder, but I think for the most part. Uh, it'll be a fairly smooth transition. 
Yeah, I was too scared to look at how spaceships work because I feel like it's just going to be a little too overwhelming. <laughs> so oh, I space combat is so cool. It's I so can't wait cool. for that, Matt. I can't wait. Yeah, it's um, probably my favorite part of the system, to be honest. That sounds awesome. I that and like zero G fighting is going to be like exciting for me. But I guess my question is about that, which is, Ooh. are we going to have like a map for that? So no. Um, okay. I think for the most part, because this is a audio medium, I want to make sure that we are putting the effort in to make it Accessible entertaining to and that can't yeah, see the map. Exactly. I want to make sure that we are putting if we find that the we need to do a lot more measurements and stuff, I will put together some rudimentary maps just for the, the mechanics of the game. But at the same time, I don't really want to get bogged down with us measuring like 30 feet. And, mm -hmm. you know, so I think what we'll do is we'll do our best to to do theater of the mind in terms of our combat and stuff and we will if you tell me like 30 feet i'll be like yeah yeah you're good mm -hmm. I, unless it's very obvious that you're not um and we'll play it by ear from there okay. um i would like to not have to do maps but if we have to uh for the sake of the system then we will yeah cool um i do have a question in this world how are we regarding death in what sense um character death mostly like um i guess to i guess my loose suggestion uh maybe a loose suggestion or maybe just generally asking is if one of our characters dies do we consider them dead for the rest of the story and move on to another character um it would depend on the resources available to you so i will say character death i'm i'm not going to keep treat you with kids gloves because we are doing a show that has a narrative and people might get invested in you guys and you guys are going to get invested in your character i'm not going to remove the danger of things being like well you know you're the main characters you nothing bad's going to happen to you mm -hmm. uh, bad things are going to happen to you uh and that might include death if for whatever reason you have access to someone who can revive you or you know, get you to a, a medical center or for whatever reason, great. Then I will let you revive your characters, but I'm not going like, it's not going to be deus ex machina after, you know, divine intervention after divine intervention ah, of, shit. of people being like, Oh, you have a dream and you find a, a second wind in you. That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I unless I, I know I'm going to kick myself because it, like, it's definitely going to happen. It's going to happen. happen. Well, <laughs> looking at what I'm considering, and it's a lot less worrying now that I know about stamina points, but my hit points when I start are, I believe, four. So <laughs> this I, is reass not reassuring. You, you might not have made your character correctly. Well, no, <laughs> it's just they're, they're like flat HP. Yeah, so the the way it works is your race has a base. Yeah, HP. I, I know now. That, yeah, it's just funny because I saw that initially and was like, "Well, fuck." <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, as up, as with all RPGs, the first level is like literally the most dangerous because yeah. one one good crit and that usually takes out most. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what stamina points are kind of roughly there to buffer against as well. So it's like not you know one lucky roll won't put your first level character in the yeah. ground when yeah. you don't really have any means to protect yourself. Yeah, but but I am excited to play a level one character again. It's been a long time and we've been playing like higher level characters and everything we've been doing outside of this. So it's going to be interesting and exciting to get back into that life or death. Like once again, a critical hit could just end you on the spot kind of situations, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. The um, real sweet spot of RPGs in my opinion, to be honest. 
Yeah. See, I, I think like, yeah, I think from like five, like three to seven, I think is where RPGs like really get juicy because it's like mm-hmm. you're still low enough, enough level that you Things don't have tough. access. Yeah, you don't have access to like godlike spells and abilities and shit, but you still you've gotten enough in your class to sort of be distinctive. Yeah, you yeah. feel like a badass, but you're not invincible. So it's like yeah. you could do some cool shit, but you could still get fucked up. And it's it's like a nice place to be at. Whereas like first level feels like Dark Souls sometimes. Yeah. That's <laughs> oh, 100%. That's what Except you don't, get, you don't get a bonfire. No. no bonfire. <laughs> no. But we do get that sweet dream Dane just promised us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if you guys don't have any other sort of big pressing questions about the system, I would like to introduce the setting that we will be playing in. Oh, hi. Hi, setting. Uh, my name's Nile. Well, this is now a three-person podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be playing within the lore of Starfinder as it's presented. So you guys don't have to worry about, okay, in this world, where are the Vesk from? Or, or in this world, what is this from? Um, there will be two major uh, changes regarding that. Um, and that is uh, in Starfinder, this thing called The Gap which is just a, gr- a, t- a period of time where no one remembers anything and it's just been sort of erased from history, uh, that doesn't exist in this world. Okay. okay. Um, and I think it, it is, I think, Starfinder's or Paizo's way of being like, we don't really want to explain how we went from low fantasy or high fantasy to space. Mm-hmm. So it happened in this time and it's gone. Fair. I have a few um, theories about it, to be honest. But yeah. And later. I assume at some point they're going to release a AP, uh, like an adventure path that explains what happens in the gap. But in our world, uh, the gap does not exist and it never happened. Okay. Um, the other switch is uh, the roles of humans in this world. And that is that they are from earth, like our real earth, um, and that there is a cataclysmic event which sort of propels them into space. And that's why they're there. And that's how they've interact. And there's, you know, they interact uniquely with the alien worlds that will be taking part. in. Cool. Um, so like real world stuff, like technically is history to them. Yes. I love so that. everything that we know from Earth, uh, popular media, all that kind of stuff exists in this world. As much as it does in terms of like, you know, the future and space and time mm-hmm. devolves culture. Um, but yes, Earth history exists within at least the human population. Awesome. The the campaign that we're going to be playing will be taking place in the homebrew setting of the Casa Mal system. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a seven planet system where there is sort of an overarching government system called the Federation of Councils. And that is literally anyone can join it. Um, Any planet, any space station can join it. And you get a elected or appointed representative on the council that represents your, you know, planet or community or whatever, as long as you have agreed to follow their code of conduct. Um, And that is a set of laws and rules and regulations that apply to everyone within the Federation. You're allowed to have your own individual laws on your planet. That's fine. But they can't be like one of the things is there's no slave trading in the Federation. Mm -hmm. So if you want to trade in slaves, you cannot be a part of it. 
Mm-hmm. So you can have your own laws. They just can't contradict like the overarching Federation laws. Exactly. There are, I'll go through this, the seven planets very, very quickly. There is Chirillus, which is a molten planet that houses the penitentiary for the Federation. Um, there's Euceron, which is a uh, resource dense mining planet. There's Geo, which is a half forest, half desert planet with a giant world tree. Uh, there is Therum, which is a like high society, golden streets, crystal palaces kind of place. Very uh, opulent. Bougie. Yes. Um, there's Exium 12, which is known as the living planet. Uh, there's Sononis Prime, which is uh, the only planet within the system that isn't a part of the Federation. You really skipped past that living planet real quick, didn't you? Yeah, you did. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't you worry about that. I'm very worried about this living planet, but that is also who I'm choosing to play. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're the planet? Yeah. I mean, I can't... That, that's an option, yeah. Oh, God. How much HP does the planet have? Uh, infinite. Okay, good. I can't remember. Sonotus Prime is, is known as the Last Empire. It's the only planet that isn't part of the Federation. And then there is Ni, which is a frozen ice planet. Mm-hmm. And do the Federation like actively kind of like try to gain planets or is it just kind of like a join if you want? Like is yeah. this planet assailed at all? Is it like no. shunned? So, so Sononis it has very, very strict rules and you pretty much need like it's the only place that you need like authorization to enter. Mm-hmm. So if you, like they are a militant planet. So if you try to land or, uh, you know, enter their their orbit without permission, you're going to get lit the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Um, but they aren't outwardly hostile. If you have a reason to be there, or if you're a trader who has, you know, the correct permits and everything, you can come and go as you please. But um, there is like a pretty strict immigration policy of if you're not welcome there, you're not landing mm-hmm. most likely. But uh, no, the, the Federation has like no sort of manifest destiny kind of situation happening. They are, very happy if you want to join like all the planets kind of just joined as they saw how that it's much more beneficial to be a part of it than not uh there is no sort of like founding group that is like we're gonna take over the system Mm -hmm. um and then on top of that there is a major human settlement on a space station called the cube um and i will explain what the cube is after i explain what happened to the humans well, first, I'll ask, do you have any questions about Casamal as a system? Well, what's the deal with this living planet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason it's called the living planet, and I will tell you this because it's not a spoiler or anything, is mm. that it, for whatever reason, constantly reshapes itself. Okay. So, oh, okay. I was like, thinking ego. No, no, it's yeah. not. No, I was just seeing like a you know man in the moon kind of face. No, it, it oh, kind Mars. of is constantly, you know, one you know eon will be rocky uh mountainscapes everywhere then it'll be you know like an ocean will appear out of nowhere and another Mm. mountain range will appear out of nowhere and it kind of constantly flux and and changes uh and there seems to be no reason why as to how or or what is making it do this all right far more cooler than a guy a planet with a face yes (laughs) i mean hey at one point in time there could be a face on there. Yeah, there was the face right? Eon. Yeah, where just just a big smiley face, not even a real cool face. Just that would a be really horrifying, terrifying. Especially because it's on the edge of the system, so it is kind of like on the edge of space, just 
looking down at you, smiling. Yeah, imagine like how scared you'd be for that whole eon, and then it like turns to lava finally, and you're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, any, any questions? No, um, no, not, not for now. You can go tell us how the humans got fucked or whatever well, happened to them. Just the penitentiary, is that like for the entire system? Yes. And it's owned by the Federation? Is it mainly people breaking federal Federation laws? Or can you be sent there if you break like a local law that's not Federation? It is, yeah, it is essentially if you have been like if you're part of like a, a break of law whether it is one of the code of conducts or a local law um if you are charged by a federation court and found guilty you are shipped off to Chirillus. okay so there's no kind of like lower scale there are there's and shit like if you get caught for like bar fighting or mm-hmm. that kind of shit. Yeah, you'll there's probably like a, a local prison that you'll be put in. Mm-hmm. But if you're any sort of like serious crime, like okay. so major smuggling, shit. drug trafficking, uh, if you are dealing it like slaving, mm-hmm. uh, murder, all those kind of things, uh, you're you're getting sent to the fucking lava planet. Cool. That planet sounds awful. I, it's it's essentially Alcatraz, but instead of not being able to swim through the San Francisco Bay, it's lava. Okay. Just Always Alcatraz, gotta be a lava, lava. planet. Yeah, like that—that that is their thing of being like, you can get away, but you do have to cross lava. So good luck. Um, and and with that sense is like there is really no, like it's not like a big fortress or anything. It's it's just a big chunk of land that is surrounded by lava, and people know that they can't get away. Mm. Like oh, so one episode of Avatar. It's almost like a prison, like colony rather than like an actual like prison building yeah it's it's like a work colony like you go there and you you know you do some mining you do some digging you do some whatever resource uh refining but you're just stuck and you can't get off the planet exactly there's still cells and stuff and places that you get put you Mm -hmm. know in night and stuff but it's not like a you know a typical prison yeah i was imagining a big fortress with Uh, a face on it (laughs) (laughs) custom actually translates to face system (laughs) Holy shit. So the humans. Um, The reason they end up into space is an event they call the Descent. Um, What the Descent actually is, is a pretty much end of the world event in which they've fucked the planet irreversibly. It it just can't support life anymore. The the temperature's too hot. They're out of resources. They're out of fresh water. um, And they've just so irreversibly fuck the planet that they need to find a new home. They have not discovered space I thought we travel. we were doing a fiction podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it is my Wally tale of, hey, maybe cool it. Uh, where's the Royal Bezo line right now? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we have access to space travel, but not intergalactic space travel. So we've, uh, in terms of technology, that's kind of where we are in this period of time. Again, I don't want to put like a, you know, 2500 mm-hmm. or anything like that. It's just the future and we haven't discovered intergalactic travel. But with the technology we do have, we end up putting out a beacon searching for help and us just being like, hey, we need help. Is there anyone out there? And most of the people, most of the responses are apathetic of people being like, we don't know who you are and we don't really care. Other people are like, we would love to help, but our resources are limited ourselves and we don't have any way to get to you. Sorry, here's what we know. Here's some information. Here's some way, like here's some ideas, but that's all we can give you. Um, Until a species known as the Valai contacted Earth and just kind of descended upon the planet like benevolent gods. Uh, They were 
patient with us. Uh, as you can imagine, a lot of people were like, they're invading and they hate us. But they full on suffered attacks from countries and just let us kind of like tire ourselves out like toddlers. And once, what you know what I mean? Like we were, we were so ineffective against them that they just kind of like stayed in their ships and we're like, okay, you guys done now? Because we're here to help you. Um, These and guys they, sound awesome. I like them. Uh, and they, they sort of, you know, taught us the secrets of the universe. They introduced us to what we know now as magic, uh, technomancy. Um, there is, uh, they also in- introduced us to intergalactic travel and with sort of earth's greatest minds and them working together, they created something called the Eris project, which is the automated emergency response evacuation system. And what that was, was a factory that powered by AI and completely independent of anyone working there pumped out ugly, but very serviceable evacuation shuttles. Um, And it was sort of, we set them up all over the world and it was just ship, 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 you could get in them and fly off, and good luck, essentially. The main point of them was that they were modular. So any amount of the ships could be connected with each other with electromagnetism and create either a giant colony, like you had whole cities merging their ships together and just flying out together. Um, and so you had places that could, you know, colonies of these ships going out into space, some were four people in a family. But a lot of people realized that their chances were much greater if you pooled together your resources and been like, well, I don't know how to fix a ship, but my neighbor does. So we're latching onto him and shooting off together. Um, and that is what the cube is. The cube is when they humans arrived in the Casamal system, they merged their ships together and kind of were like, hey, this is as good a place to stay as any. And a lot of them just kind of kept bunching up together and because they're modular and self-regulating they just kind of made a cube out of all of these ships and that is where humans settled for the most part um and it is sort of the human home world in the casimal system now are there any like sick lego buildings that people made with these like modular things like cool shape or is it just a cube just a huge cube. The, I, I essentially imagine them as a, the, like the the cube itself changes shapes depending on what ships have docked because mm-hmm. it's modular. Yeah, of course. Um, they it, it always kind of keeps its cube like shape mm-hmm. in terms of just because uh, there is like a core core group that exists and that is its permanent fixture. Mm-hmm. Um, but like their like shopping district changes depending on what ships have la- landed and docked in. People have also used the ships like once they found planets that they wanted to settle on have just been like, yeah, we're going to lock these ships together. And this is our city now. Mm-hmm. They have uh, like I said, they're ve- think of them pretty much as like storage units. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what this is. It's just a big modular storage unit that is getting shipped or like slid around like a big Rubik's cube kind of thing. Cool. And the face on the side of that is formed from the absence of these or? Yeah, so it does actually talk because they move. <laughs> oh, I'm a living cube. Is all he says. <laughs> Life is a nightmare. <laughs> a lot of people have like people who are still using the Aeris shuttles are have like built cases around them like chassis around them mm-hmm. to make them a little more visually like cu- appealing customize them a little bit yeah cool but for the most part they, as long as you can they can still interlock it's fine cool um and that is the the casamal system i like it very cool very cool now to talk about where you guys are starting as players you will be on board a ship 
with the designation of tavern. (laughs) You guys do, in fact, start in space in taverns. And that is the designation that the Federation gave to humans who decided to prove their worth by either visiting other human settlements and offering their expertise or just docking in as like nomads and being like, hey, we know how to do things. Do you need anything done? And Originally, it was a lot of manual labor. It was a lot of like, yeah, we need these trees cut down or we need these things mined or we have a problem with our generator and we don't really know how to fix it. And it was it was essentially these people who were more or less space Craigslist of they would dock in um, and sort of take any odd job that was given to them. And so the Federation created a a system called the Transvocational Request Node. And that was essentially once they docked, anyone could upload job postings to it. And the second a tavern docked into a station or a planet, they would get a full list of available jobs. And you have your pick and choice. You can choose whatever you want to do. Um, and that was how humans survived for a long time uh, and how they made their living. And, and there's still a, a small handful of people who still do it. And you are aboard one of those ships. Hell yeah. Okay. Super cool. I know that was a lot of information dump. Yep. If you have any questions about what I've just told you, please let me know. So is the tavern also a tavern? Yes. So okay. when, when they land and dock, they often serve either as like an entertainment spot um, or a gathering spot, a community hub, usually with alcohol. And it is a way for, because only people who are tavern designated can accept these jobs, mm-hmm. but you can freelance those jobs out. Mm-hmm. So not only is it a place for, for them to get jobs, it's a place for other people to come for work. Mm-hmm. So when they dock, tavern opens up, people come in and be like, hey, you got any jobs you want? you don't want to do? And the tavern can then hire out freelancers. Mm -hmm. But we would be like workers of the tavern, but we don't give out the jobs unless we want to freelance them. We are the ones that undertake them, right? Exactly. So if one of them is like, hey, there's a sewage blockage and we need someone to scrape it out. If you guys don't want to do it, you can be like, cool. Hey, the guy who's desperate for coin, he'll do it. So you guys get like first choice and dibs on the jobs. Sounds good. Okay, are we a member of the tavern willingly, or is it more so like a sentence? That's up to you. Okay. So I will I will leave it up to you guys why you're there. I do want you to be invested in it for whatever mm-hmm. reason that you are. Whatever reason you're there, you need to care about the success of it. Um, whether that is like if you do want to role play that like this is your community service. And the only way you'll be free again is, you know, if you do X amount of jobs, then awesome i'm I'm down for that but i i don't care why you're there as long as you care that you are and like speaking of success is it just kind of like a personal gain thing or is there like because like what else would there be necessarily so success McKen- does sound vague if you you like you could play someone who's been on this crew f- since it's been going you know what i mean mm-hmm. And, well, and I, like, I know I could come up with a, a bunch of different reasons. I just mean like in game, do the taverns themselves represent something bigger that is already existing? Or is it just kind of like you get to pick and choose why you're there and what you get out of it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Like I, I want you to uh, like want to work. You know what I mean? Like I want you to want to take jobs and I want you to want the the tavern that you're aboard to be held in high reputation. Cool. That works um, for so me. Th- those are like the only two requirements I ask of you of characters. I can roll with that. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense too. Like be invested in the adventure. Nah, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Actually, guys, I'm going to uh, sit this one out. All right. You guys uh, have fun. Uh, I'll talk to you next session.
Which brings me to my character, Rick Freelance. Um, he's just <laughs> there to give away jobs and take a cut. And he doesn't ever leave the ship or do hey anything. guys, who can ever give the most jobs away wins, all right? <laughs> Every session is us being like, yeah, you can do it. Cracking what was that beer. plot hook, Dame? What was that plot hook? Anyway, fuck <laughs> off. Hey, man, my plot hook could walk into a bar at any point in time. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to leave the bar? I'll make the bar leave you. Oh, no. Can we have a guy at the tavern called Rick Freelance? Or Chris Freelance? I can't remember. God you said, whatever. You oh, both of them. They're twins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Rick and Chris Freelance. Um, so I will say, in terms of mechanically, the way the tavern works is that's pretty much how you're going to be making money mm-hmm. in the system. And it's also going to sort of like Mass Effect style... Uh, depending on what factions you take jobs for and how successful you are at completing those jobs, uh, people will treat you different. Cool. So if you if you start taking you know uh, jobs from the criminal underworld and start doing some real shitty things in order to achieve these jobs, people will start knowing the kind of crew you are, um, and that will that will reflect on you based on the population, um, governments, the federation itself. Uh, it there will be, I will be tracking that as you progress. But when you just freelance them out, you're clean, right? You don't get any. <laughs> Absolutely not. So that is another. That's the danger of freelancing is if you give a job to someone and they fucking botch it, that's that's your reputation on the line. Well, poor freelance twins. <laughs> They've never botched a job. So <laughs> hey, maybe they they're really good at reading people. Yeah, maybe. Are these taverns like? an entrepreneurial thing is there like an overarching like what's the word i'm looking for like uh bureaucracy or like an overseeing body like do you get audited like are you are you a thing (laughs) is it just like or do you just kind of set one up you know what i mean like are all the taverns technically one company you know what i mean so yes uh that's a good question there is the way that humans were rewarded when they came to casamal was the federation designated a group of solely humans to be in charge of the taverns it was a human enterprise it is a human run organization that doesn't mean you have to have a human crew or even a human captain but the humans are in charge of the tavern designation and you do have to apply for it so yes if, if you start doing some real shitty things there will be repercussions okay cool and like if someone fucks with you are they fucking with taverns and as a whole kind of thing? If they're targeting you specifically because you're a tavern, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they're targeting you because of something that you've done? Yeah. Yeah. No. All right. So okay. I like it. Any other questions you have before we start talking about characters? No, my brain's just running with it. I yeah, have dude. some ideas yeah, in. So I'm going to give you guys, I don't know how much you guys have looked through the characters and the classes and stuff. I'm going to go through very quickly. The, the various classes and races available to you. Just one to let the audience know what's available and, and, and kind of what the world looks like. And also to maybe uh, spark some some fires into you guys if you haven't really committed to a character yet. If you if you want to ask questions about any of the classes, I will try to answer them as best I can. Um, mm-hmm. But this is more of a, a very broad stroke, quick rundown of things. Um, so the first class I have is the biohacker. In terms of uh, typical RPGs, these are kind of like the alchemists. Um, they're a debuff and buffing class using various injections, and they make serums. So they can be a healing class or a buffing class, um, uh, or a sort of like debuff class to inhibit the enemies. And they, I think they can switch between whether they're boosting people or inhibiting. Then we have the envoy, which is essentially the bard. 
Um, they've got a lot of sort of reactionary abilities. They've got buffs. They have uh, ways to boost allies. Lots of skills. Very talented. Um, they are sort of the the jack of all trades, but also very charismatic. You see a lot of captains as envoys. Um, then you have the mechanic, which is kind of the pet class, kind of like a ranger. Um, they can go one of two ways. They either get a drone companion, which can be customized and built up as you level up in various different, like you can have a flying one or a little tanky boy or a little like sneaky one. Um, or you get an AI that's built into your brain uh, that helps you with combat and skills. Uh, then you have the mystic, which is Terry's favorite class. Mm-hmm. Well, we all get to choose what Terry is, right? And we all yeah. decided Mystic I, well, before this, right? 100%. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's there fair. Was a right. Terry lost a bet. We cut it from the episode, but <laughs> he made a big claim about faces on the sides of planets, and now he has to be a Mystic. Um, yeah, let me build that one again. As Terry briefly mentioned, they are the healer class. They are kind of like the clerics. They have a connection to a higher power that uh, grants some abilities. Uh, they have a lot of healing abilities, a lot of spells. Are um, there, sorry, are there new gods in Starfinder? Um, I don't, I th- there probably oh. are, but I know that there's still, like Saren Ray and Desna and all mm-hmm. them are still, like the, the core pantheon i believe is still there okay cool there is there are one a bunch new of new ones there is one new one i know of that's uh, like the goddess of the drift or something like that yeah that makes sense yeah all the yeah. all the races sort of have a god that go with them and that represent other things besides like they're not just race specific gods mm-hmm. so there are a bunch of new ones as well that's cool yeah and the mystic doesn't have to be you don't have to be religious the mystic nope. can like sort of devote themselves to the void of space Mm-hmm. Or, or like concepts, not just deities. Then you've got the operative, which is uh, the rogue. They get trick attack, uh, which is essentially sneak attack. Lots of skills, uh, lots of bonuses for uh, maneuverability, mobility, agile weapons. Um, they're the sneaky one. Um, they are the ones that get like, you know, they're they're the ones that are going to be doing the backstabbing. Then you got the Solarian, which I think is uh, there are uh, two classes that I think are very very fucking cool, and the Solarian is one of them. You mean um, the Jedi? Essentially, yes. You get a um, you get a solar or lunar weapon, shield, armor, or ray ability, and that is like concentrated light or or darkness, um, and you can then uh, attune yourself to either photons or or gravity. I think. And Graviton, as you, yeah. yeah, as you do abilities, you you supercharge your attunement to that, and then release like super attacks based on what attunement you have. Uh, very fucking cool. So cool. They're crazy cool. Soldier is just kind of your straight up fighter, but they have a lot of specialization in which you can go into like different fighting styles. So uh, no soldier will be the same. You can have one that specializes in like heavy armor, or one that specializes in like grenades or hand-to-hand fighting there's a lot of options there but they are kind of like we're gonna walk into a room and hit things uh then you have a technomancer which is uh, another spell-based uh class but also obviously focuses on manipulating technology and machines and stuff like that then you have your vanguard which are your tanks it's rare that rpgs have like a designated tank role the way that like an mmo does or a you know, uh, a video game would, but these guys are, are literally built specifically to negate, absorb and uh, deflect attacks back at the, the opponents. Um, and then they get a thing called entropic strike, which allows them to sort of like, as they do these things, build up a powerful uh, attack 
which uh, gets stronger as you level up. And finally, which I think is the coolest class, is the Witch Warper, which is, uh, I believe the the term they use is you get to alter reality using the sheer force of your personality. Holy fuck. <laughs> you get to, uh, you get things called, um, I don't remember what they're called, but you essentially get to choose either uh, to change the environment so you can like cause webs to come out or fire or you know geysers of acid as you like find an alternate reality where those exist and pull them into yours um, and then you get paradigm shifts that like you can use to either buff or debuff where you know if a grenade lands near you you can alter the the slope so it rolls away from you that's and cool. shit like that yeah it's really fucking cool and that's that's the whole witch warper is all about like changing probability rolling twice moving things around uh it's really fucking cool not see that guy that sounds insane yeah it's a new class i've never heard of that one that yeah one it's, it's one of the the more recent ones um and then the the races there are a ton of races and i'm gonna give you guys a full list of all of them to choose from i would highly strongly ask of you not to play any of the galarian races if you want to that's fine but there are just so many fucking cool races out there and i and you might think it's just i'm gonna list the like core ones but there are there's a lot and they're all very cool i will need you to check in with me before you select one um some some of them are busted yeah like the giant planet i'm playing <laughs> and you think um, I'm smart enough to know if these are busted or not? It's just whatever's the coolest. Well, that's why I'm I'm telling you you need to check with me before you choose one of the crazy races. Um, but I will I will list off the 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 core ones, which I think will be the most uh encountered. First you have humans, obvious, we talked a lot about them. Uh then you have androids. The cool thing about androids are the, the difference between like an AI and an android is that androids have willingly accepted a soul inside of them Hmm. um and the way that they work is like they can technically be immortal but um essentially just shed the soul and let a new one come in every now and then and they just kind of like share this body which i think is very cool um then you have the kasatha which are in my opinion a very typical stereotypical alien kind of uh they got the big long gray head uh but they have four arms and they're very cool then you have the Lashunta, which are a mantis. If you are familiar with Guardians of the Galaxy, they're very uh, mantis-like. Um, they've got these two little antennae, and they have innate psychic abilities. Then you have the Shirin, which so are... When I read sorry. your notes, I thought they were like praying mantises, and I was like, hell yeah. Now no. it's less impressive. <laughs> yeah. They are they're kind of cool. like the elves of the... Mm-hmm. The space world because they are often like kind of idolized and seen as like very attractive and seductive. Mm-hmm. So they actually um, get to pick their gender. Posh. What's that? They actually get to pick their gender too uh, as they're growing up. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, they're they're very cool. I like them a lot. Um, yeah, and I think they're one of the classes that have like two different or one of the races that have two different builds. You can either go like a more uh, hardy build or a more mentally powerful build. Um, then you have the Shirin, which are a sort of an emancipated hive mind bug creature. Um, they were part, I think they are still part of the hive mind, but have broken off and developed their own individual personalities while still serving like the ideal of, you know, working together. 
I'm pretty sure that they have no contact with their hive mind anymore. Like they're they're very much against the whole concept of any type of slavery in that sense. It's like, okay, um, yeah, they, that sounds once right. They tasted freedom, like that freedom of like having their own mind. The very uh, idea of going back to that hive mind is just like awful to them. Yeah, it's, I know they're very focused on like having a personality and doesn't matter what that personality is, but like, this is mine and this is who I am. So yeah. fuck you. Uh, then you have the Vesk, which are kind of like the orcs of space. They're these mm. big reptilian lizard kind of boys that are uh, primarily war based creatures. Like that's kind of what they're born and bred to do. That's kind of what they, they focus on. Um, not to say that you... If you want to play a, a mystic Vesk, go for it. I love playing against the stereotype. And then my favorite is the Yusoki, which are little rap boys. Very reminiscent. They like I see them and I just think like Brooklyn, like a <laughs> Brooklyn accent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, very Rocket Raccoon style. Like they're all about hoarding stuff, being really industrious, being sort of like scroungers and hoarders. Uh, I love them. They're fucking cool. Uh, my mystic was one of them, and they have a cheek pouch that you can yeah. just like, store things in. Hell yeah! That's yeah, so they essentially good. have like a little little bag of holding in their mouth. <laughs> oh my god! Maybe it's I'll go like with a, one, him. Do you guys know? I'm going to start asking you guys questions. Um, do you guys have a character concept you're you're working with? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think I think we all have a, a vague idea. Okay. Do you guys want to talk about that? We're not going to build. Um, so we're going to take a break shortly. Uh, we'll we'll pause and we'll go through the building of the character. So if you're really into the, the crunch of character creation, that's that's what you're going to want to hang around for. Um, but this is I, I want to get an idea of like what you're thinking in terms of like who you are as a character and where you fit in with this crew. Uh, so we'll start right now. Um, so, yeah, I it's almost a pity because there are so many cool things that maybe I shouldn't have gone with the first thing I thought of when you asked me about this like a year ago. <laughs> but uh, I really want to do like an Android that was like shoddily made in, in one sense, shoddily made in that it's not like it was basically made by a, a small child genius um, as the kid was growing up and like fed nothing but like 80s action movies or like teach it how to act almost. Um, so it has like this kind of like innocence, but also these ridiculous like quotes and ideals of how to act kind of at war with each other um and like maybe is just clunky compared to other androids um and yeah just that that's the android i was thinking of making i love it I, like I, we've talked about it before and it's like i love that idea because it opens so many doors for me and at the same time opens even more doors for you in terms <laughs> of like what you <laughs> deem uh responsible in in times of if of conflict yeah um terry what are you thinking all right, I was gonna go with dwarf, but you won my heart over with the Yoski because I I love him Hell so yeah. damn much. So I'm um, gonna go with a Yoski operative, and uh, the car the character I'm kind of working with is that um, he's very old and very tired. <laughs> um, he's known nothing but oh just. Oh my god, like, is he splinter? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> 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 my so, character's name is now Leonardo, just so everyone's yeah, aware. Oh, I'm actually, just, sorry, was, I forgot. I'm Rick Freelance. <laughs> I was even thinking about. Damn it! <laughs> all right, he was a dwarf in my head originally. All right. Anyway, yeah. he's a very old, tired. He's been a soldier his entire life. Um, I guess operative means like maybe he was more so reconnaissance or whatever. But like he's just. 
tired of the bloodshed, the wars, the death. And really, he just wants to move away from that life as much as possible, which is probably why he ended up on the tavern, right? Uh, he can still, he still has a desire to do things, uh, work with his hands, do what he wants, uh, help out places, but he's just like wants to leave that old life behind him. Uh, no, that's great. I mean, like that, that provides you a, an excellent opportunity, like for, yeah, it makes sense that he would, if he's looking to still do some work and, and like do some good, the, the tavern's an excellent place to do because he, you could literally choose not to take combative jobs. Like if you want to just go in and like, you know, maybe you're being hired to watch like a PI, watch a, watch a, a dude and see if his wife's cheating on him or, you know what I mean? Like you could do any number of things or, or just want to fix some fucking water purifiers in small settlements. It's yeah, that's great. And last but not least, Ryan, what are you thinking? Uh, well, I, I believe when you asked me to play this game, the first sentence I said, is there a space paladin? Um, <laughs> so I'm sort of drawn to the Solarian so hard and it's so unique. Um, because the issue I've always had with traditional paladins is, um, they've always been forced into being lawful good. You know, mm-hmm. they're forced into being goody two-shoes. Uh, the Solarian is sort of forced in this weird state of neutrality, you know, between the photons and the uh, uh, the gravitons. Um, you, it's all about balance. And the way the class works, I find so unique because once again, you try to balance between the two. Um, you can only have so many photon still skills and so many graviton skills. So I sort of find that super cool. So I definitely want to play that class. And when it comes to the setting in a new game, I feel like there's always some benefit in just sort of diving into what the original writers saw for certain races and archetypes, as much fun as it is to break the mold. So I was thinking about pairing it up with the, uh, is it the, which one has four arms? Is it the Kasathas? That's the Kasatha, yeah. Yeah, Kasatha. I was thinking of just pairing those two together. You know, the Kasathas are all about uh, exploring cultures of the world and, the history of it and you're creating this beautiful beautiful world for us dane and i want to be that asshole who asks you way too many questions about the history hey man uh, I'm, that's what i'm here for i love world building so yeah i'm sure you've got a lot of paragraphs written and i'm gonna pick at all of them so that's great do you have why is so are you saying that the the reason they're on that ship is uh just to sort of experience every like kind of like get the smorgasbord of what the universe oh, has yeah. to offer Exactly. Like this whole idea of being this tavern, almost mercenary like concept is perfect for that because they're just drawn around the universe. I believe they would for sure have a distinct interest in humans and sort of how they came to be and how they sort of got their start with this whole tavern idea. Right. And they sort of kept on picking things around for themselves and how they learned from that ancient alien race and all that stuff. Like there's just a bunch of things there. For, to sort of devour little bits of lore, you know, like a little snack. I guess as for why my android is on the thing, I didn't get into that. Um, I think it woke up with like corrupted memory um, in basically, I was going to be like, you know, those shipping container like auctions, but it's yeah. actually really funny <laughs> that you have the, you use the analogy of the like uh, Eris uh, ships as shipping containers so I can just imagine, like, maybe if people find unclaimed ones of those, they bring them to a lot and auction them off. But either way, this android was found, like, shut down and corrupted in one of these in an auction. And basically doesn't know how it got there and what happened to its, like, kid. And it's just kind of trying to find them and re... Like, just, 
I don't know, understand what life is now that it doesn't really have this purpose, which was like yeah. entertainment slash minder slash toy slash project for this child. So your origin story is an episode of Storage Wars. Basically, yeah. All right. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. As long as we're on the same page with that. I assume I that, like I want that opening so bad. I don't know if there's other people. I assume there are other people. There's definitely the freelance twins, but um, I don't know who <laughs> wants to have found me. <laughs> If one of you guys wants to have found me, that's super cool. Yeah, that was another thing I wanted to bring up is you guys are more than welcome to know each other beforehand. Like if you guys all decide that you've been on this this tavern crew for years or whatever, awesome. If you want to be a new find, like you guys let me know how you guys know each other and how long you've been on the ship. I will accept any answer. Um, you don't have to make that that choice now. We'll we'll talk about that when we're when we're actually building your characters. Um, but I just wanted to plant that seed: is if you guys want to know each other, if you want to be a, you know what I mean, like the the team that goes out a lot, cool. Um, or if you want to be complete strangers, that's also fine. So the one thing before we get into building, uh, before we take a break and get into building the characters properly, um, I want to pose this sort of idea to you and it is a requirement of you building the characters and we're going to do this off uh, air i guess um and privately you're going to send these to me um but i want you to think about um the concept of having a knife and by that i mean i don't remember who came up with this concept i i, I will give credit to them when i find it um, but it was an article i read ages ago and the idea of having a knife is it's not you being armed it's how many knives you have in your back that i can twist and with that idea and that concept is I need at least three things that will pique your character's interest or or mean something to your character when it comes up. Um, so, for example, if uh, Niall, if your character wanted to have the knife of being like anytime there is a missing boy. A hundred percent. That's like if like kids are going to be like a big thing for him. That sounds right. awful. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, edit that, please. Yeah. <laughs> Kids um, mean everything. He's obsessed with... No, get rid of that. He's got kid, he's got kid madness. He just needs a little... Bo- no. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but th- those are... I want at least three. You can give me as yeah. many as you want, but I want at least three knives that I can twist in your back at the right moment to sort of really, really goad your character into doing things. I like that concept. I like that. Yeah, I like I said, I think it might be, I think his name is Neil something with an L. Um, I will I will double check and I, I will give him a call out and credit when I find it. But it was this article I read ages ago. And I, I think it's a really, really good way for me to always have something in my back pocket to engage you if for whatever reason, there's a reason like, it doesn't make any sense for your character to be doing something. Mm-hmm. I always have something in my back pocket to be like, Oh, but wait, here it is. And you know what I mean? Give that knife a little twist to, to get you involved in the action before we go on a quick break and build these characters. Do you guys have any other questions, any other concerns, comments, um, anything you want to throw out there before we start doing this? No, I think I'm, no. I think I'm good. No, I'm excited. Then we will take a quick break. And when we return, We'll build some boys. Oh, damn. Or girls. Or girls or gender neutral, non-binary. It's the one thing I love about the system is there is very specific moments where they're like the the gender binary doesn't exist to these people. I'm like, good for you, Paizo. Thank you for being inclusive. 
Yeah, I do. I do like that a lot about the races. So we will be right back. We're going to take a short break um, and we will get into the the crunch and get our hands dirty and building some characters. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment. Space Jam Dane here with a quick little break. I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping first and foremost. Um, I don't remember if we talk about it in the first half or the second half, but we do talk about something called the knife theory, which is a way of developing characters to have important things that the the DM can use to uh, pull their character back into the story. If you feel like they're losing the the, the plot a little bit or losing their thread of uh, interactivity with it. Um, And that theory was actually created by, or at least shared by um, a Reddit user known as Jim baby. So shout out to Jim baby for, uh, for bringing that to our attention because I love it and we use it all the time. Second order of business, if you're listening to this early, we are launching on January 5th. We are uploading the first two episodes so you can sort of like really sink your hooks into it. After that, we will be uploading every other Wednesday. So we are doing uh, two episodes a month. Uh, We're skipping a week just because it does take a little bit of time to write and record and edit all this. So on launch, there'll be two episodes for you, but going forward, it'll be every other week, a new episode will be uploaded. If you want to get in touch with us, and we would love to hear from you. You can get in contact with us on Instagram or Twitter at NoQuestCast. You can also use the hashtag, hashtag NoQuestCast, for us to be able to find your stuff a little easier and for other people to to engage with you as well if you guys want to start, you know, talking about the show. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for me. Just a quick little break here, um, and we're going to get into character creation right now. Welcome back, friends. We are in the second half of Session Zero. I am uh, now going to start building some boys with the boys. Um, first up, is he's on my list as first, and I'm not going to make the same mistake as the beginning of the episode. Uh, Niall, you are up. We're going to build your boy. Hell yeah. Hello, boy. I'm trying to talk to him. See what he wants. <laughs> what is he saying to you? He's just wailing maniacally. He's not. He's in a physical form yet. He's in a yeah. half-life, and that's terrifying him. Bring him into existence, Quick, Niall. Need to Please. bring him into existence. <laughs> For God's sakes, Niall. <laughs> Birth him. Uh, oh, my God. It's it's Cody. Cody Dalton Storm McLean. <laughs> um, so I did I did a little bit of research. Niall gave me some movies to, to research. And uh, I did watch. I watched two of them. I watched Top Gun, and I watched Roadhouse. Okay. What would you think? Um, Top Gun, surprisingly not great. Wasn't a big fan. <laughs> yeah. The, like pretty much the, the most enjoyable scene is the volleyball. super strange volleyball scene. Yep. Yes. Yeah, iconic. Um, I will also say the scariest part about that scene is goose still wearing his shirt. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> but roadhouse. Fantastic. I really it's enjoyed really roadhouse. Good, right? Yeah. It's so over the top. I love it. I did. However, at one point, my girlfriend walked in and was like, oh, like, what are you watching? I was like, oh, it's Roadhouse. It's about a bouncer. And it was like towards the end of the movie where things get like just so yeah, buck very- wild. She's like, she's like, what? This guy was a bouncer came to turn around a bar. She's like, why is there a monster truck driving through a fucking car lot? I can't believe I've never <laughs> seen this movie. Oh my what? God. How have you never seen Roadhouse? I, OK, then I'm not going to say anything else. Everyone has to watch Roadhouse because I will be making gratuitous amounts of 
uh, references to yeah. these movies. Everyone better do their homework. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, now tell me about Cody. We know a little bit about him from the first half, but let's, let's really dig in here. All right. Well, so race wise, he is an Android. Okay. Um, in game, I think he's not going to be kind of like up to, up to spec or at least like he's going to be like an older style of Android and definitely cool. more shoddily put together because he was made by a child. Um, so like, obviously this child had incredible intellect and like access to really good like parts and shit. And it's incredibly impressive that this ever happened yet. It's still not as good as like the ones birthed or made by professional. I'm not even sure how they are created, but um, now was Cody, are we saying Cody was built on earth like during the descent kind of thing, right? Uh, I would imagine like, like after like once I'd say, like in space. Okay. So, so like, like it's it's happened and like even to the kid, it's like I imagine their father was a big 80s action movie aficionado and kind of passed it down to his kid who, because his dad was obsessed with it, became in turn even more obsessed with it almost, you know what I mean? Right, got it. So these are like DVDs that have been handed down. Yeah, at this point they're like heirlooms. I feel like the family are ultra wealthy and like very like they're like Elon Musk or something, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, and so aesthetically, we're thinking he's a little bit more more robot-y than... He's definitely just shoddily made, you know? Older older equipment, you know? I feel like he looks like a human, but if you take his shirt off, it's just like robotics. Like, the skin isn't everywhere. Okay, so he still is humanoid. Like, if you yeah, passed yeah. him in the street, you wouldn't immediately be like, oh, you're a robot man. Yeah, he probably looks a little strange, but, like, not much. Okay, cool. Yeah, that helps he, me because in my head I I was thinking, uh, kind of like a chappy. No, he of- definitely like he has you know like skin and a face and you know shaggy like eighties bad boy hair and he wears a big trench coat. <laughs> um, but like his chest is just robotics. You know what I mean? So it's like yep. if you take his shirt off, he's like skin arms, mostly of the way up and like you know head. Okay, neck. Yeah. that's cool. I like that. That that helps me get a good picture of what what Cody looks like. Um and let's let's talk about his class. What what does what does Cody do? So Cody is a soldier and I went with the uh like blitz fighting um like style uh which is all about like getting in fast and doling out like melee combat. Cool. I felt like it was appropriately 80s uh you know themed or like action hero-y. Um yeah. it really reminds me of like some of the classes in your uh, blockbuster game, actually. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for my first level, I have 10 plus 10 for the movement and plus four initiative, which is pretty cool. Which is wild. That's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. It's level one. Mm-hmm. And for my first feat, I took something called slam down, which means that uh, any bludgeoning weapon, if I score a critical hit, I like knock people to the ground, nice. um, which to me, again, just screamed like the the one punches that happen in like every action movie that just. Like, yeah, against like goons and stuff where it's yeah. just like, yeah. And even more fun stuff happens with that later on. But I guess we'll get to that later on. We will get to that later on. Um, now, when you create a Starfinder character, kind of like the background system, I think it's called in D&D. Um, you get to choose a theme and that is sort of like a extra layer of flavor on top of your character, which gives uh, additional bo- benefits and bonuses. So what theme did you pick? Uh, I chose ace pilot. 
Hell um, yeah. Because we were talking earlier on, one of us needs to be a pilot. And with the whole obsession with movies, including Top Gun, it just didn't make sense not to. Yeah. Um, so I am, I have better like roles to recall knowledge about starships and hotshot pilots. Um, and pilot is a class skill and I get a plus one to it, or I get a plus one to it if it's already class skill, which it is. So my piloting is pretty good. Hell yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Is there, I, I don't know. Is there anything else to talk about? We've talked about your class. Is there anything else you want to talk about, Cody, before I start asking you a couple questions? Uh, I think, well, just like weapon-wise, he has uh, like battle gloves, which I'm imagining are like fingerless leather gloves that are like with studs on them, like Hell you yeah. find in like a Hot Topic. Yeah, um, of course they are. Yeah, and on top of that, like because he's kind of like old school, like we don't really know how long he's been in the uh, storage container, but it's it's been a, a bit. Uh, he kind of likes analog weapons more than like, you know, other ones. So he starts with a gulch gun, which is like a really fun fire shotgun. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably it. Like, I don't know. Do I spoil everything? Cause I have, no, no, that's, that's fine. What I would like to know is how did you get on the tavern? Uh, so I was found in the storage container by, okay. I believe Ryan's character. Yeah. Okay. That's and, okay. Great. Yeah. I assume it happened pretty near to the start of this story. I don't think Cody's going to have been a long established like presence on it yet. Crew member. Yeah. Okay. If that's okay. Yeah. No, that's I, I'm letting that kind of be up to you guys. However long you want to be on the ship or don't want to be on the ship. Like you could literally be like a, a guest. You know what I mean? Like just there to be transported. Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be a member of the crew right off the bat. Yeah, um, I, I so think what he's is, new and he just is kind of trying to figure out what's going on. So he's just like there. OK, cool. Um, does does he have a role on the ship? Is he has he been hired? I feel like, again, anyone can jump in and, and suggest things. But I think right now he just kind of got back and no one really knows what to do with him. OK. Um, and like, again, okay, it's we'll- really fresh. And I feel like. I know what the first thing he's going to do is in the campaign. I think I'll just sure. it blow that. it up. Okay. Everything. <laughs> just okay. drive a motorcycle through the fucking <laughs> tavern. <cockpit. Yeah. laughs> so yeah. Okay. We, we will play out his role on the ship in the game. Mm-hmm. I don't, I will, I won't make you commit to anything before that. If you would like to explore that uh, in fiction, mm-hmm. um, that those are pretty much my only big questions for you, unless you have any of the knives that we talked about before. If you want to address any of those on air, that's fine. I've also given you guys the option to reveal them to me secretly um, so that we can build drama and tension for the audience as well, because I don't want you guys to tip your hand. We do want this. To, this is an entertainment product and this is an entertainment uh, podcast. So we do want there to be you know surprises and twists. Uh, things that I need to know as the person running the game, but things that necessarily the audience would benefit not knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think the knives need to be revealed. I feel like they'll none of them will be massively surprising, but, you know. Yeah, okay, great. Um, so then, moving on, we're going to go to Ryan. Ryan, hey. tell me about your, your boy. Yeah, my boy, his name is Merrick, uh, and he's a Kasatha that I sort of talked about last time, big and gray and with four arms. Um, nice. Yeah, super cool. Um, he's a Solarian, which is uh, I talked about on the first half as well. So this crazy neutral space paladin uh, with a laser sword. Um, 
that's sort of trying to find balance in the big old space galaxy. Um, now, hold on. Let's walk things back real quick for a second. Um, oh my God. What, what can you tell me about Kasathas? Like oh, what? They're, so I talked about it briefly before. So Kasathas, it'll take me a while to learn to pronounce my own race, guys. Kasathas, they're an old, they're one of the oldest races known at least of the core races. I'm not too familiar with the rest of them. They're one of the older core races. They've been around for a very long time. They're from, uh, they originate from this dying planet around this dying star kind of thing. And they're nomadic now. They travel around in big groups and they're all about history and tradition and culture. Like they're the kind of sort of tropiness and the fact that their names can be very long because the more deeds their family does, more words get added on their name. And it's all about, you know, the matriarch, every family's matriarchal, and it's all about where you came from for them. Cool. I mean, that fits in pretty well with, like, the, the lore of the tavern of, like, yeah. these people just being nomads of a, a planet that had mm-hmm. died. Um, mechanically, is there anything uh, cool that Kasathas get to do? Because I know, I, I don't think it's Kasathas, I think it's Lashuntas that get the psychic uh, tele- or, like, yeah, telepathy. No, no, uh, I'm really good at walking in deserts. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's my thing. I have four arms, and that's uh, and that's the coolest thing about it. So, okay. the four arms don't give me extra attacks or anything like that. But I, there, I can use them to hold things. So, like, I can have my laser sword in one hand and a pistol in the other. Right. Yes. Uh, yes. As far as I know, you can have like four weapons at the ready or four items at the ready. One hundred percent. Yeah. That's that's cool. All right. Great. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about being a Solarian. Uh, I, I assume that you've chosen the like the solar weapon. Ability. Yeah, hell yeah! How could you not? I, I I think some of the other options are really cool, but if you can have a laser sword, you should have a laser sword. That's the problem with the Solarian is like the the options you get. Like one of them is a like you can manifest solar armor. The other one is literally like you shoot lasers out of your hands. Yeah, and the other it's so like it is like you. I don't think it's that easy of being like oh if it's a laser sword because like. The other options are fucking cool as hell, too. I didn't even look at them, Dane, to be honest with you. I didn't even <laughs> read the numbers. I didn't, they were like, oh, you want to be a Jedi? And I said, yes, I do. And that was that. Was that. Fair enough. Um, okay, so what do you? What does the Solarian get to do, level one? Do you, do you know that much? Have you gotten yeah, that? Yeah, so the, the way the Solarian works, it's like um, Graviton, and it has you have two modes as a Solarian that you choose when you go into combat. So you have your Photon mode and your Graviton mode. So uh, they represent different aspects of the universe, right? Where a photon is like bright lights and fire and dynamic energy and damage. And whereas graviton is more darkness and uh, gravity and, you know, pulling people to you, that kind of stuff. So um, you get to choose a mode when you go into combat and the longer you stay in that mode, you generate points. And when you get the three points, you can activate one of your revelations. Uh, and at level one, I have two options for that, which is either supernova or black hole, which sound really cool. Those sound uh, like insane fucking level one abilities. Insane. So uh, <laughs> supernova is I generate when I get the max uh, photon, uh, I can literally erupt fire around me in a 10 foot area and do uh, 2d6 fire damage at level one. And then with if I hit max graviton, I can release it all to pull all the enemies near me within 20 feet towards me damn um yeah so they're they're clearly a combat like i'm really nervous that we're all going to be close close range fighters in a space opera whatever we're doing um but yeah that cool ability to use your innate innate powers to control the battlefield you know that 
really appeals to me. I'm really excited to try to play with that, especially when I get to unlock more revelations. Yeah. So at level one, did you choose the revelations? Because I know like a lot of things like I know now gets to choose like a fighting style. Mm. Um, uh, was there is there like a level one thing that you get to then choose? No, I like I think the first level for Solarian is all about once again that showing the player about the balance because once again the Solarian has to be you have to balance your photon and your neutron stuff so you right. get at level one you just get supernova and black hole no matter what there may be other ways to modify it throughout the game but at least from what I read you just get those two and uh, from level three onwards I'll get more of my own personal choice with how I want to play it. Cool, gotcha. My God, that class sounds so cool. It's so I, cool, dude. Holy it's so freaking cool. <laughs> the cool thing about Starfinder is like they seem to have taken like MMO style ideas and pared them down to something that you could play on a tabletop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the idea of balancing points seems very much like something you do in a video game of being like, oh, I've done this combo, so I get a plus one into my photon points. Like, yeah. That's- I like that they reward you for like staying in the like the mode because I guess yeah. you can switch mid combat if you want well, to. Just the downside is that you like lose those points. Lose right? it, yeah. So if you're in uh, photon, I get plus one to damage as long as I stay in it, and if mm-hmm. I'm in um, graviton, I get plus one to my reflex stuff. Oh, cool. So there's also that too. Like if we're in a combat that's all like trap based and crap like that, even though I'll lose the damage of the photon mode, I'm like maybe I need a better reflex save. Mm-hmm. Um. So there are interesting decisions to make with that. And I'm excited to once again explore the other revelations to try, start to personalize it as I figure out how Merrick wants to be a Solarian, right? I'm just going to see in combat at this point. I'm yeah. really curious. Now, uh, is there is there a penalty to being in? Like, if you stay in Photon for too long, like, can you get too many points? And No, or... I don't believe so. But as soon as you use one of those abilities, you become unatt- unattuned. And I don't know if I can go back, if you can go back in in combat. I have to double check that. But once you're unintuned after using ability, I might not be able to get into the mode right away. Okay. Uh, so there is that decision whether, when to, you know, to activate it, you know, or to pull my trump card kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. This sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun to, to play. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, now, what, what theme did uh, Merrick take? So um, on the first half of the show, I talked about Merrick oh. as like, or as like Kasatha's as like loving the history part of it. But I sort of flipped that on the head for how I want to play them uh, after doing some reading. So Kasatha's, as I said, have a huge history to them and they have this really cool period, like post adolescence called the tempering. So the tempering is where Kasatha, oh my God, this is going to be a constant (laughs) issue. Uh, Kasatha's get a year to sort of explore the galaxy and do whatever they want and not be, restricted to a tradition sort of Ooh. like uh i in, i believe the amish have something similar um but i just saw that on tv so i don't know if that's real um <laughs> but so he can sort of go off and do his own thing and the way i'm playing merrick is he's sort of young he went on his tampering and he sort of fell in love with people with the present and not the past right so he's gonna be about living in the moment instead of the culture he's leaving behind you know now is that antithesis to what he's expect like is he essentially just taking his tempering as a permanent leave 100 percent. yeah that's okay. sort of how he's doing it right now he's saying screw this uh doing my own thing and you know being obsessed with once again the present over the past all right that's really cool um how did he get on to or sorry what what did you take as your theme did i oh that's why that was my lead up so <laughs> I, that's why i chose xeno seeker 
so I went with Xenoseeker. So searching out uh, rare life, life forms and just life in general, right? Like always being on, on the watch and trying to meet new and interesting people is sort of his whole thing. That's awesome. What, what kind of bonuses does that give you? Uh, I, I believe at first, the first thing is it's just a, a bonus to identify okay. um, unknown races. So a uh, bonus to life sciences as a skill. Hey, uh, let me tell you right now, that's going to be very useful. Yes, it is. I have, I've got a feeling. And then it's uh, charisma based, which works for being a Solarian. And as you sort of progress, it's all about learning other languages and sort of, you know, just trying to communicate, even though if, even if you don't know the language, you can communicate later on, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's going to be very handy in this campaign. I'm going to tell you that right now. What else? Like, I guess we've got your theme. We've got your yeah. class. We've got your race. Um, what feat did you take level one? Uh, I I sort of just panicked and chose Cleave because um, I knew it. <laughs> I was like, ah, I know that one. So I just chose it. I bet it might change by the time we uh, get going. But um, combat's very important. I think level one um, just to stay alive because level one can be very hard. Yep. Um, so I was like, maybe something simple that for survivability and just damage output, but we'll see. I might go through other stuff and change my mind. Cool. All right. Um, so, uh, so questions about your character that I would like yeah. to know about, uh, how did they get on the tavern? I think the big thing obviously is the tempering, you know, he sort of went off and he wanted to learn about as many different people as quick as possible. So a cool thing that I sort of based the idea of Merrick on is, um, the Humans of New York Facebook account that was around a couple years ago that was really popular. Yeah. So in two hands, he'll have his sword and his gun. And in his other two hands, I wanted to always have a notebook and a pen. Because <laughs> he's okay. always going to be interesting in like, taking notes of everyone he meets. He wants to meet as many people. He wants to know how everyone works, whether good or bad. Uh, the greatest villains, the greatest heroes. He wants to know why they do what they do and what drove them to that point. So he's sort of obsessed with that. And the tavern gives him the perfect outlet to meet as many different people and to be in as many situations uh, that are different and where these interesting people might hang out. It might also make sense why you brought back Cody as well. 100%. I was, you know, picking up old storage lockers and storage wars in space and, you know, fell in love with it. <laughs> space storage wars. Space I want to watch wars. that show, man. Uh, okay, so then I will say, what's your relationship with Cody? Are you like, do you guys, have you formed a friendship? And this is for you as well now. Um, or is it just sort of like you found him, hooray, and then I have moved on to the next idea? Um, one of the daggers of Merrick's that I've been juggling with, with like how to sort of like flush it out as a flaw is like his, he probably has a hard time interacting with people on a personal level because all he wants to do is analyze them okay. uh, and sort of like take that in. So he probably found Cody, like got the initial story from him, you know, is excited to see what he does, but whether that is friendship or just camaraderie to sort of, you know, help him achieve his goal i he will have to figure out for himself I think. okay cool um cody how do you feel about merrick i feel like initially like cody's just so shell-shocked to have gone from this life he can barely remember um to being alone in the middle of nowhere with no one he knows and the one person he cared about like who he can't even picture anymore i think he's just shell-shocked and like numb and like trying to figure things out, but like probably eternally grateful to the fact that Merrick, like not only like pulled him out of this thing and woke him up, but like brought him back to a place. So I'm sure he will feel massive gratitude, but I think right now he 
isn't registering a lot. Okay. Um, now, are you going to, do you have an idea of how long Cody was in like stasis or is that something you're going to let me play with? I think that's something we're going to have to talk about, me and you. Okay. Then that is something we will talk about. For you, going back to Merrick, Ryan, um, mm-hmm. what's, what's his family situation? Like, how does his, his family and other Kasathas uh, feel about you sort of going on a, uh, essentially a prolonged, like taking a year off of college and and just staying, never going back to school. <laughs> yeah, essentially <laughs> staying in Cancun. Yeah, uh, <laughs> never not coming good back for the most part because Kasathas are once again so into tradition. Uh, now he still dresses a little traditionally. Like he still like Kasathas always have to have their mouth covered. Okay, day to day. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. There's actually no canon drawing of a Kasathas mouth at all of Starfinder. That's mm. fun. The closest I could find was a skeleton creature they made of one uh, where he sort of had a jaw, and that was it. So he's, there are still some things he does, I think, just to keep appearances. Uh, right. I don't know. Maybe at some point he'll decide to, you know, plunge into that, you know, wearing human clothes and not covering his face. Um, but with how he acts and interacts with people, I believe after a conversation, any Kasatha would be like, this guy's a little bit off. Now, are you actively rejecting Kasatha, or is it just that like this is something that has called you? Like, uh, like you're not sort of being like, like you don't have any ill will towards the Kasatha way. It's just like not for you. Yeah, I think he thinks it is in a way it's outdated. Okay. Uh, so his Merrick's mother, once again, Kasatha is a is a matriarchal society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in my brain, his mother is like their leader of the sort of nomadic group he was with. So it is quite powerful and influential. Uh, and I'm sure, uh, like, his upbringing was so intense and everything was planned and how he moved, how he talked. And that freedom was just still just so new and important to him uh, that, honestly, if it came towards it, I think right now he would forsake it. But I don't think it's that white and black yet. Sorry, what do you wear over your mouth? So if you look at most pictures, it's usually just like a a part of their normal, like, their, like their outfits involve a lot of... Um, like high collars and ribbons, but like high collars and like uh, pieces of fabric that sort of go across, like across the chest and across the mouth, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, kind of actually. Yeah, it's I'm gonna. Of... It's a really interesting. Like when you go into their history, it's really cool. The like velour, because mm-hmm. initially I was like, oh, big gray alien with four arms. How interesting can that that be? But after reading it, it's like, oh shit, they've put a lot of work into making these guys. If there's one thing Paizo does well, it is. <laughs> Like just going so deep into lore that no one would ever like no one needs as much lore as Pathfinder puts out. Um, like even in like their APs and stuff, like some of the background they go into your into the villains and stuff. It's like there's no way any player would ever be able to discern any of this. No, <laughs> but like they give you so much so to much. sort of like just build on, which is like a big reason why I'm I'm such a Paizo fan. Yeah, it's so cool, dude. It's so cool. Um, so I think that's that's pretty much all I have to ask you. We I yeah. assume you'll you'll tell me your daggers other than the one you've revealed. We'll yeah. we'll discuss that privately. Oh hell yeah. For for narrative purposes, fantastic. I'm trying to think there's there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about Merrick. What okay, so what do you think his like does he have an end game with this? Like does he want to write sort of like the first Kasatha like encyclopedia, or is it just like a raw he is drive? working yeah, he's working on the, his book, this collection of people. I think he just wants to, in a way, he just wants to write an encyclopedia of every individual in the galaxy. But I think he understands that's an insane task. Right. Uh, so I think he just wants to keep 
meeting as many interesting people as possible. Like, I don't know when he'll stop. You know, maybe that's something for Merrick to decide as he keeps going. Maybe he'll meet someone so insane that he's like, oh, this is it. (laughs) You know, like this is the finale to this project he's been working on. And then maybe he'll go back home or maybe he'll, you know, reveal his face and be drinking beers in a human spaceship. We'll have to find out. All right. Fantastic. And what does Merrick do on the ship? Like, what do you think his role is? Like, what is when they dock... Other than sort of, I imagine he's taking all the contracts that have to do with like diplomacy and, yeah. you know, talking to other people and like, you know, signing contracts and kind of stuff like that. Like, I imagine that is his bread and butter. He's a bit of the face being a charisma based class. Okay. Um, so he once again, any chance to interact with anybody, I think, is something he's really looking forward to. Cool. Um, so he's the one by the board. You know, checking stuff out, asking around, even asking for cases that aren't public, maybe if he sees like an interesting character in the tavern being like, hey, you look shady. You must have something you want to see. <laughs> I love <All> that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Powerful charisma move. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you look shady as fuck. Let's talk. <laughs> classic Ryan DeWire play. Get us into more danger. <laughs> oh, man. That's what I want. Um, okay. So last but not least, Tarrington. Oh, okay. What do you want to know? Uh, let, well, first off, let's let's hear that name, baby. Okay, his name is Durin, and uh, he is a, and I'm gonna mispronounce the uh, the name uh, of the race, just like Ryan, until we get this. Uh, Yasoki, is that how Yasoki, I pronounce? Yasoki, I believe, is yeah, how I will be pronouncing it. Fantastic, then we're on the same y- page. Yeah. Yasoki. Yeah, he's a Yasoki, and um, the main pool that I had for the Yasoki is they have a cheek pouch, and I find that so fucking adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It's essentially it's, like a organic bag of holding. Yeah, you just you can carry one bulk of item and just like shove it in your cheek, and it's just hey, there's something about that that just drew me. That felt very Terry like. It's it's excellent, and it is adorable. Um, okay, so what class did you take? All right, um, so Durin, uh, I went with operator. Uh, a little bit about his past, I guess. If you want me to dive into that here, a little bit, I don't know. Yeah, no, whatever you want to tell me. If you think it is. If it's something you want to reveal through the narrative, let's talk about it off air. If it's something that you don't mind, like it just sort of informs the character, then let's talk about it here. See, I don't I don't mind doing that, but especially because like, sure, I could keep this stuff secret, but I don't find that fun or okay. anything because I like I don't there's no reason to keep this like hidden. But like as a character, he's not going to like outright talk about it. But sure. uh, he's he's. In his past, he used to worship the, uh, it was called the Grandmother Rat, and he has fought in many of many of wars specifically for that cause. Uh, in his mind, it's always been like, the means, or the ends justify the means. That's always been like, what's been hit into him so hard, so it doesn't matter how many people die during his service, whatever, whatever happened, um... And there was a point, probably a turning point, and I'm I'm only like about sixty percent sure of what it was that just made him feel sick. Uh, something that he did that just like turned him and made him go like, I I can't do this anymore. This this is not for me. Now is was he almost like a paladin in the sense of like he was the hand of a god kind of situation? Like was he a divine uh, warrior? Or was uh, no. it more of a mercenary situation? Um, more so, it was just the side of the war that he was on. Uh, looks, it looks like a lot of the uh, Yosoki worship this goddess. Okay, it's a grandmother rat of like a, of assassins, spies, and thieves. Okay, so 
under that purview or per- perhaps uh, someone above him like was the voice of that deity. It doesn't necessarily have to be that, but whatever orders he was given have always felt like this was this was like uh, the right thing to do, right? It was like, oh, yes, yeah, this guy has to die, but, you know, it's for a good cause. Right, so you're pretty much like the American military. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> I was going to say it's not a crusade, but <laughs> the American military is more legit, I guess. Um, but but yes, I, I guess it was, yes, I guess it was kind of like a uh, like a crusade almost, you know what I mean? Like you yeah. you thought what you were doing were, was fighting for the good cause, Mm-hmm. Um, and then for whatever reason you became disillusioned. Yeah, yeah. Something happened. I did something, you I think, and it was just like, oh, what what am I? Right? He had that moment. Okay, cool. And oh, yeah, you operator stuff. You were operator, yes. <laughs> uh he gets a trick shot that adds like sneak damage. <laughs> yeah, so the operatives are kind of like rogues, but the nice thing or the cool thing, and I didn't know this until you brought it up, is that you don't need to fulfill requirements like in in other uh games like a rogue either needs to be flanking them or they need to be flat-footed and kind of stuff like this but it seems like you get to use a skill or like a check and if you succeed on that check then you can do trick damage correct which i appreciate because like there is if your class is like really good at bluffing you can use a bluff skill to get that trick attack off and i think that's kind of like oh hey it's a it's a sneak attack but you can just like other classes can use it. You don't have to be a stealth boy to use it. Very yes, fun. yeah, because I think it's it's bluff, intimidate, and stealth are the abilities you can use. Correct? Uh, yes, I believe so. I feel like there was one more, but I could be wrong. Either way, he uh he was a stealthy boy, so I, I went with like the ghost uh, specialization. Um, he was more of an infiltrator back in the day, but you know that's the life he left behind. Right. Um, and what theme did you take? Um, because I thought it was fitting, and um, I went with Prol. Okay. Which uh, which means he's just an anonymous cog in a machine, which is all he wants from life right now. Like Proletariat? Uh, I don't know. The theme says Prol. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, assume it's, I assume it's Down like Proletariat. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Didn't mean to throw you off with that one. I like this. Um, I mean, look, okay. Yeah, keep... <laughs> I mean, prole is is a is a slang for proletariat. Uh, yeah, it must be then. Yeah. Um. So yeah, continue to to describe that bad boy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mostly, it's just um the reason I picked it specifically is at sixth level, um he has the ability to like aid another, and since he's not really looking for that highlight or like the the limelight in like uh, the adventures, he's more so trying to push the others around him to be better. I can like aid another in uh, their checks and things like that, uh, usually through like space combat and stuff like that. To nice. the DM's I, discretion, of course. I'm reading it now, and I mean it. If you are able to aid another, you automatically succeed, which is cool. Oh, yeah, that's right. Automatically. All right, cool. Thank you. Damn. That's awesome. Yeah. I I especially like that. Sorry, that your last thing you get is called failing forward. (laughs) I don't know what it does, but it's a great name. (laughs) And I feel like will probably happen quite a bit in this campaign. Without a doubt. Hey, if we're failing forward, I'm happy. We're not just, you know, failing. He hasn't done this in a while. That's why he's level one. It's, It's been a bit. Um, is that how, that's that's something else I wanted to ask is like it makes sense Ryan you're young you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's like your experience is just kind of starting uh, Cody it makes sense that you're you know what I mean like 
you just woke up and don't really know anything and we yeah. don't really know how much you really did you know other than entertain a child so like it mm-hmm. makes sense that you're level one but terry i get is that how we're gonna role play it is that like you've been so far removed from combat and conflict and kind of like kept your head down for so long that the rust has sort of built up on you yeah yeah his cardio is real low he doesn't work out as much he just like focuses on like the tasks at hand so i can just imagine like these skills these things he's actively trying to like get away from just kind of like fell to the wayside right they're not as good right. as they used to be yeah the muscle memory is there but yeah the it'll take some time isn't. to get the rust off as you say um now he doesn't really necessarily like to kill people i'm not sure if you want to do a um something stat wise to represent that that's up to you i'll definitely be role playing into it more so but um, we'll see. We'll okay. there. Are, there are gimmicks that I would like to like maybe homebrew and stuff as they come up. If it makes sense that Durin is overwhelmed with sort of like falling back into his old ways, we might start putting in like you know maybe negatives to his will saves or uh, penalties to his attack rolls and totally stuff like okay that. With that. Totally cool. on board. Yeah, I would never want to do anything to like without any of your guys' consent alter the mechanics of your character. But if you guys are cool with the idea of like repercussions. Uh, to your characters based on actions and situations, then we will. I will always talk to you before I do it. What does does Durin have contact with anyone from the uh, the grandmother rat? Is that yeah, the grandmother rat? Uh, I was gonna pronounce her name, but uh, I feel like I would just it's probably fuck better it up. that we yeah we'll. We'll come do to you that see later. the name? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna no, pronounce I'm... it without someone else telling me how it's pronounced. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, uh, no, no, no. It was like just straight up the equivalent of like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go out for a quick space cigarette i'll be right back and just never came back (laughs) so is this do you think this is something that would have repercussions oh absolutely so if you were to like there there might be people looking for you um yeah i could potentially see that uh i'm mostly giving you the uh the reins on that completely because I i feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of room to for you to do whatever the fuck you want in there so feel free to play now, is Durin still super paranoid about the, you know, the grandmother rat war people hunting him down and finding him? Is he still looking over his shoulder? Is he still covering his tracks or has he relaxed a little bit? Um, I don't necessarily think so, but I think like just stepping onto a tavern and not putting my name or out there or anything like that. I think that's a good way to stay hidden, quote unquote, because it's just always moving, you know, um, yeah, it's just kind of keep my head low and just whatever tasks that come up, just take care of them, you know? Has Durham been on the Maverick for long? Um, I imagine him being on there for a while, probably like almost a fixture, right? People like whenever they come to the Maverick, they're like, oh, it's, it's, it's that guy. And they just kind of move on from it. <laughs> no, he's always there in that corner. And we talked about it briefly, but what does your theme, the parole, get you like what what abilities or or whatever what does it give you so because i have a parole um i get like a job and nothing really fit but i had like i don't know why but i feel like he just wants to make bootleg media (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know where that came from but it it's on my sheet and i it's (laughs) just sitting in the back of a movie theater with like a camcorder recording movies (laughs) okay it is that. It is that now. All right. It, it wasn't it. until you said so. And yeah, I'm on board for that. <laughs> Cody's going to fucking love that. I tell you that. Maybe that's where it came from, because I could just see like him and Cody getting along because of that. 
And how would you say that you get along with uh, the other PCs on the crew? So like Cody and Merrick. I can see him and Cody just generally getting along. Um, I know uh, me and I talked about where maybe he got the Gulch gun from like my old like like I just handed it off to him as like uh, like I'm um, I'm not going to need this anymore and just pass it along to him. Maybe he sees a little bit of himself in Cody. There's like an excitement to him that he can't quite deny. Yeah, I feel like seeing the shotgun reminded him of something from his old life and like he just you know kind of fixated on it. it was probably the first like spark of life when he walked onto the ship and you know to just be handed it i think makes him feel very uh it, it mean, meant something to him so he definitely appreciates that it's also the it's a yos y- y- isekai isekai <laughs> i ne- yes. n- never isoki it's like an isoki gun um uh, as for uh Ryan, is your character named Merrick? Is that right? Merrick, yeah. Like, I don't mind us getting along. I'm just not oh, sure. Oh, I'm uh, obsessed like... with you. Oh, no. <laughs> you have this dark past that you won't talk oh, about? Did you <laughs> not hear me explain what, what gets Merrick going? I had a feeling. I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wants to be your best friend, and he's trying so hard to get you to share even a little bit. Yeah, he's just he's just this rat wearing like this blue like dark blue jumpsuit with some like some like old scars and he just kind of keeps quiet to the corner with his like DVDs that he sells and Merrick's trying to get <laughs> get in there. I honestly think that uh Durin, Darren, Durin. Durin. Durin is one of the reasons I've stayed on this ship for so long because he want like he like I need to know more about this guy's past because he clearly has one. He's oh, the nut I haven't cracked, you know? I probably have bugged everyone else enough. Let's get, I don't think the way I view it is not like annoying. Like he's not asking a million questions. He just wants to get someone to open up, talk at me for like an hour, and then he'll have questions afterwards. Mm-hmm. But he wants you to open up and you haven't, and it's driving him crazy. <laughs> I love that. I like it. I like it a lot. He's like, he buys you your favorite snack. He's, you know, always like notices when you're low on a drink, that kind of stuff. <laughs> and finally, a little context of how the adventure begins. You guys are starting on contract from the official uh, Tavern Oversight Guild. You have gotten a contract from them, which is a fairly rare occasion and usually a, a fairly big deal. And another tavern has gone missing. And you guys are investigating the SOS Beacon in order to see if there's any survivors or uh, what happened and why this tavern has gone missing. And that is it, friends. Thank you very much for listening. We are launching on January 5th. The first two episodes will be available for you to listen when we launch. And we can't wait to see you there. 